Welcome to Headliners, the podcast. This is the paper review that won't put you to sleep. You can catch us live every night from 11 on GB News with a panel of top-notch comedians going through the biggest stories hitting the next day's papers. But don't worry, if you miss it, you can catch up here after every show. So let's do it. Welcome to Headliners. Hello, I'm Mark Dolan and welcome to Headliners, a first look at tomorrow's papers in the company of two top comedians this evening, the gigantically, dangerously, outrageously talented Jonathan Cogan and Nick Dixon. Uh, gentlemen, great to have <laughs> you with us in the studio. Lots of stories to get through with a strong Jubilee theme. So let's take a look at your first front page. And this is the mail. And here's their front page splash. My heart has been with you all. As magnificent celebrations climax in pageantry and parties for millions, the Queen's poignant message to the nation, my heart has been with you all. A fabulous photograph of the Queen looking resplendent, beaming in glorious green. Daily Telegraph, while I may not have attended every event in person, my heart has been with you all. That quote, I think, will resonate for a long time to come. The Queen reaffirms her commitment to serve the nation in a poignant finale to the Platinum Jubilee. Independent next. Queen Springs surprise to thrill crowd. The monarch made an unexpected appearance on the palace balcony on the last day of the Jubilee celebrations. And so wonderful that she was able to make that appearance. Climate cost of Sunak's tax breaks for fossil fuels. Dozens of prospective fossil fuel projects that qualify for Rishi Sunak's tax relief on oil and gas investments could pump up to 899 million tonnes of greenhouse gases into the atmosphere. The Chancellor announced last week that energy firms would get a 91p tax saving for every £1 that they invested in extraction. Green MP Caroline Lucas told The Independent the tax breaks would send us even faster towards climate disaster. Probably boost our economy, though. The Guardian next. Johnson allies accept a vote of no confidence in the Prime Minister is close and humbled Queen brings a four-day party to an end. Edge of seat, say the FT. Rebels close in on Johnson. Daily Mirror. My heart is with you all. Queen's moving tribute to nation after perfect end to the celebrations. Uh, the Metro. Magical. Excellent headline. Joy as the Queen appears on Palace Balcony for the last day of festivities. Amazing woman. And uh, she's not well. The fact that she was able to do that is truly heroic in my view. And the Daily Star, Love Island's Dark Starts. That's on page 11. I look forward to getting to that story shortly. But first, after wet weekend, next up, a tropical washout. Long to rain over us, soggy Brits. Fresh from Platinum Jubilee downpours will be hit again this week when tropical storm Alex races in at 65 miles per hour. What a right royal washout. And those are your front pages. Nick, let's kick off with The Guardian and bad news for the Prime Minister, Boris Johnson. Yes, The Guardian are loving this. Boris Johnson praised his number hasn't come up as Tory grassroots anger grows. So they've basically been fishing around asking uh, anonymous MPs and it's not looking good 
for Boris. They're saying if 54 Conservative MPs have turned against him, the PM will soon face a survival test, but it may be about more than winning. And what they mean there, of course, is it's not just the number, it's about the margin. It's about, mm. you know, they're also going to wait for this by-election, June 23rd, which could go badly for Boris. So the sort of rumblings are that people are pretty unhappy with him, at least if you believe The Guardian, which, of course, we probably shouldn't, but this is... <laughs> this other newspapers are available, or whatever they say. But they've asked this guy who's an anonymous Tory MP in the Southern constituency. That's all they'll say, so you can try and figure out if you want. Yes. And he's saying it's, it's overwhelming from people who normally vote Tory. He says he's had 400 emails and only four of them have been supporting the Prime Minister. So, I mean, I know the GB viewers get sick of the Boris bashing, but he may be in a bit of trouble. Do you think that if he is unseated, Nick, that it could produce a democratic crisis in this country? Because if anyone's got a mandate to govern, it's Boris Johnson with an 80-seat yes. majority. Do you not think there'll be anger uh, across the country among his supporters if he goes? There'll certainly be anger from his supporters, but the question is, has that changed? Has the majority... That's the question. The by-elections might show us that. But has his majority... Obviously, it can't, it can't act, literally change yet, but have people's minds changed because of Partygate and other issues? You know, so, you're, you know, do they still support Boris? I mean, loads of, loads of people definitely do, but it's how many do. That's what we're going to... Uh, did, you, did you support Brexit? You voted for Brexit? I, or, or leave or remain? I support the, the Democratic vote is my position on it. <sighs> I, but I was, a, I was actually out of the country, if you really want to know. But, I do, but, of course, I support... Of course, you have to leave once the vote is leave. And, of course, I'm sympathetic to, the, to those people. Well, that's my view. I voted Remain and instantly accepted the result. And now I want a full, fat, proper Brexit because I think you either do Brexit fully or not at all. Mm -hmm. But do you think that if Boris goes, Brexit is under threat? It could be diluted. Yeah, you're already seeing people sort of trying to dilute it and say, oh, we need to get back in the single market. People are all hinting at kind of softly getting back into the EU. So I definitely think it is under threat. But it's, sort of, it's probably under threat whatever happens to Boris. Don't you think, in general, yeah. there's a certain section of society, the Lord Adonis types, will always be pushing for, to somehow get us back in the EU in some form or other? The question is, it's the million-dollar question, Jonathan, has Boris Johnson used up his nine lives? Is he at the end of his rope? I don't know. I think there are a lot of people who still like him and there are a lot of people who are pretty fed up with him, especially after all the Partygate uh, controversies and everything like that. I, the thing is, I think he has more than nine lives. He just doesn't seem to to get anything that's He's got nine him. wives. He's got he? nine wives, 150 children. You heard it here first. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, it, it's obviously an, an important issue for the country. It's the prime minister of, of our country. And I, I don't think that probably it's the best thing, uh, you know, as we emerge from this pandemic, to have a leadership election. But also the issue for the enemies of Boris Johnson, those plotting against him, is that there isn't an obvious replacement, is there? No, I mean... Who, who do you think the best, uh, not forerunner, the person to uh, follow him would be? Who could it be? Shall I give you some of the odds yeah. from the Week uh, magazine? Because I was looking into this. So Truss is six to one. Mm. Hunt is six to one. Tugendhat is seven to one, which would be a disaster for the Leave side. Ben Wallace eight to one. Rishi eight to one. Morden is eight to one. Zahawi uh -huh. an outside bet fourteen to one. Javid sixteen to one. And Gove is twenty to one. My my outside bet dark horse is, is Suella Bravman. Why can't she go for it? Because she came forward the other day with a that sort of thing about we, we shouldn't pander to 
school children who wanted to change their gender identity. And she came forward, it was quite a bold sort of, it was one of these rare moments a conservative says a conservative thing and everyone got excited. And I thought, maybe she's going for leadership. Because it's always a dark horse with the Tories, isn't it? This yes. is my theory, going all the way back I to mean, John no Major. No one knew about John Major. He right. was chief secretary to the Treasury. Right, people thought it was going to be Heseltine, yeah. Douglas Hurd was in there. Even with uh, David Cameron, everyone was saying, oh, he's too young. Even that was a dark horse. Theresa May was a bit of a dark horse candidate. Yeah. So my theory is it's always a dark horse. Yeah, I, I, and, and it, I think it, it would have been Rishi Sunak before it was revealed that his wife is a billionaire. Mm. And I think, unfortunately for him, in the cost of living crisis, it's just not going to be a great look. Well, a billionaire who doesn't a rich pay. prime minister. Not I mean, so dishy anymore. Not so no. dishy anymore. A billionaire who doesn't pay tax was the issue, wasn't it? The non-dom yeah. status. Yeah, yeah, I think, I think that's exactly The advantage right. he does have is that people still call him Rishi, which suggests he does have more popularity. You know how people say Boris. Right. Whereas no one is calling Liz Trust Liz. They're not on first name. Well, yeah, no. the only no. issue with old Rishi is, you know, if, if Boris were to go, uh, and I don't think he should, but if he were to go, then... Uh, perhaps Rishi Sunak, you know, the damage is done with the fact that, that his wife, you know, has, has you know, had favourable tax schemes. Mm. Uh, that maybe that's the damage is done, it's priced in. Maybe we shouldn't write Rishi off too Just soon. Because he's a very capable young politician, isn't he? Yeah, he could suddenly come back. And the question is... You could just say, well, look, my wife's rich, so shoot me. What am I going to do? Yeah, yeah, what am yeah. I going to do about That's it? why I married her, yeah. The missus is rich, exactly. At least I never party or eat cake. He could go with that angle. I'm just a boring guy, never has a party, but just has a rich Fam wife. Famous teetotaler. Yeah, yeah, good point. M much like you. Yes, indeed, that's the way forward. But uh, you asked me the other day, Mark, did Labour really have a chance of winning? That's a separate but not totally unrelated question. I like the way you remember my question. That's all right. Very flat. Because, because we were talking about this and you were saying you, you just didn't think Labour had a chance still. The problem is, if, if we, the Tories get a very weak leader, does that open the door to Labour? Or do they have too much of a problem with Scotland? Etc. to even get in. Well, I think that Labour's biggest problem is its leader, Keir Starmer. And this is not personal because I've got no doubt he's a decent guy, probably a nice man, pretty, pretty smart guy, Jonathan. Mm -hmm. uh, but, but a man for whom millions, they see this guy as the guy that tried to reverse Brexit. Yeah, and by being that guy, you're already alienating half the country. I mean, I don't think that's going to... It might skew some voters, but I don't think it's going to play in your favour in the long term. And also, I, I think the woke stuff won't play that well outside London. Sure. Starmer. Yeah. Well, I mean, just the other day, uh, Labour was saying how they were the they were the patriotic um, party, and I mean, lol. Yeah. Well, that was the response, <laughs> wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, the only thing that worries me: the, the more the media attacks Boris, the more I like him personally. Mm. The more I want him to stay. The only thing that bothers me or worries me for Boris is that it's, the media have almost decided to get rid of him. And they can almost do that. It's a bit like when David Moyes had to get sat for Man United. I put everything in football terms. <laughs> Eventually, it just became inevitable because the, the media was so against him. He was giving the wrong answers. Do you, do you think, Mark, that the media is just so against Boris, they're just not going to let it go? Well, I, I do think that. And part of me wants the Prime Minister, Boris, to stay. Part of me wants him to win the next election just because it will annoy all the right people. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, if, if, if he wins the next election, 100-seat majority, I'm on Twitter, <laughs> I'm going to open a beer, get some yeah. popcorn and just knock myself and, out. And the harsh reality is, with our first-past-the-post system, Labour are going to absolutely crush it in my area anyway, mm. so my vote is basically wasted. Mm. I voted for an obscure Christian party just because I agreed with their policies, so I'll probably just do that again. Well, you're probably their leader now, statistically. <laughs> Blimey. Imagine that. Nick, uh, Nick Dixon in high office. Mm. Perish the thought. Tomorrow's Guardian again, and the government job search scheme is having issues, Jonathan. Yes, indeed. So the UK government's £2.9 billion job scheme fails to find work for 93% of people. Oh, my God. Um, so this is the government's flagship scheme, which is uh, set up to tackle long-term unemployment, and it's failed to find a job for 93% of people that have enrolled. 
Uh, it's called the Restart Programme and it was launched by Boris and Rishi last year and it's supposed to provide 12 months of support to people who are in long-term unemployment and help them return to work. Right. But, I mean, you know, that's close to £3 billion and it's helped 7% of people who have signed up to it. That is, I mean, I know government uh, programmes are generally quite inefficient, but that is, that is not a good return. This speaks against big state, doesn't it? Yes, yes. And, and maybe what it speaks for is uh, perhaps just reduce that amount in taxation for businesses and let them hire people. Sure, I mean, to leave it to the free markets to provide people with jobs, I mean, that's what, that's what we're all doing. No, I don't know. But uh, actually, I'm here as part of work experience, to be honest. But, um, yeah, I do. Right. I, Can I say you did a great job on the mugs, by the way? Thank you. Very, thank very you. clean. Uh, I didn't put salt in the dishwasher, though, so I've never done that. I did notice that. Yeah, but, but I mean, that, that is. But also, I guess you've got to address a wider issue. Why is it so difficult to get people into work? Is that because uh, since the pandemic, they've been used to not having to work and they've almost got complacent? Or is it people simply unable to find work that suits them? I, I don't know. There has to be a reason behind it. Yeah. The, yeah. So I've been, un I've been unemployed, and what you always and find you is. Will, and you will be. And I will be again. And what you always find is that. Possibly the this week. If you have a word, depending on how tonight goes, depending on how your emails go <laughs> to the boss. Um, the problem I always find it the one is that job centre staff aren't that qualified to find you a job. They're not incentivised. They're not paid very well. That's one big problem. The system's always ridiculously complex, unnecessarily so. The other thing is you do. This is some sort of support or search scheme, but it's, it's not. As far as I can see, it's not giving people what they actually need, which is money. There was a scheme years ago that actually I think Labour had, where it was you had one year when you return to work where you've got some sort of bonus, like a financial bonus. Ah, oh, so this incentivizes is, you. Yeah, this okay. is what you need. This is what people who are unemployed need. They need financial incentives because it's, it take, it's, it, you can't really ask people to make themselves poorer, especially mm. if they've got family. Mm -hmm. It's just not a fair thing to ask people. So a lot of people are in a position where if they start work, they'll actually have less money. And it's ridiculous to ask people to do that. You should because just, they're no longer receiving the benefits. Yeah, right. and then the work when they start off will be lower paid and they'll lose sure. the benefit. So what they should do is make it very simple. I don't know the exact sums involved, what, but we could probably just give people six months pay or sure. a and let them keep their benefits. Do something like on that. Top of what? Yeah, that. just do that. Would, that would actually really because these search schemes don't that, work. Yeah. They, they can't find good jobs. Let they never got me any comedy gigs. Right. To be honest, yeah. Let people I find mean, their I, own jobs. Here, just incentivise them financially. It is really interesting, isn't it? Because you know, I, I think you know the state has a role to stimulate the economy. And there was actually a report recently about the number of businesses mm -hmm. that have been started as a result of bounce back loans. Okay. And in some cases, I mean, many cases, those, those loans were needed, but other yeah. people perfectly legally took yeah. the opportunity of a bounce-back loan right. and fulfilled that project they'd long wanted to, to achieve. And, and you just wonder, I mean, what's a bounce-back bounce back loan is basically the government just underwriting debt and just mm. saying, look, we'll, we'll give you a government loan on reasonable terms, mm -hmm. go and do something constructive with it. And hey, presto, surprise, surprise, many thousands of people have. Well, that sounds like capitalism in its purest, most beneficial form. People taking a loan, investing that and making a return on it, doing something they want to do. That that's sounds that's like crazy a wonderful talk. Thing. That kind yeah. of talk will get you cancelled, Jonathan. <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry, it's going to happen someday. Yeah. Uh, brilliant stuff. Well, moving on now to Monday's independent, disrespectful pub photos. Sound familiar, Nick? This one really annoyed me. Well, not for me, because I don't, I don't go to the pub, but this is Sam Fender apologises for disrespectful, quote, and ignorant Johnny Depp post. Now, this is the young musician, uh, Sam Fender. He's 28. If you don't know him, that's who he is. He basically shared a picture of him and Johnny Depp and Jeff Beck in the pub, having a laugh. He said Depp was a hero. And then, of course, because we're in 2022, he was forced to issue a lengthy apology. And it was absolutely terrible. Now, I don't want to blame this guy too much, Sam Pender, because he's a young guy. It's not nice to be attacked online. I do want to blame the culture that would attack him, because all he's done is said that a hero is a hero. That's all he's done. And Johnny Depp, by the way, 
he was saying was a hero to him because he'd watched all his movies growing up. You run into Johnny Depp in the yeah. pub. He's massively famous to our sort of generation. Of course. of course you would call him a hero. But he issued this ridiculous apology. He said uh, the use of the word heroes was severely misinformed. He said, I now realise it was a poor choice of words and timing, but that's irrelevant. I was naive and disrespectful to those who relate to any of the issues highlighted in the trial and the broader issues it poses. What are you talking about? Mm. The guy was innocent. He was, he was proved to have been defamed sure. by a jury. He was, a, he was dealt with an abusive partner. What is wrong with calling Johnny Depp a hero? It'd be, this is it'd be different if the results were the other way around and he was, Depp was proven to be guilty of the, alleged, the allegations. Of it would. It'd be very different, but... But he won 15 million because yeah, he but didn't also, do anything. Even if Depp had been found guilty of it, I mean, you can say that you someone's a hero the... who's a dreadful person. Sure. Um, a wife beater, a domestic abuser would not be a hero in my book, but it's a free country. Do you like the Beatles? Well, that's controversial, isn't it? Yeah. I, I do like the Beatles. I love the Beatles. Yeah, but, I mean, there have been allegations against some members of the Beatles. Oh, that's right. Yeah, for, for being white beaters. And, you know, can you separate the art from the artist? That's a question. I think that's exactly right. And also, what really bothers me, Jonathan, is these endless apologies now. Enough mm. already. Stop apologising for yeah, stuff. Sorry. Yeah, sorry. You know, um, because the bottom line is, unless you... I mean, I, I don't see the value in the apologies at all, I think, but, I mean, yes, if you've broken the law or done something yeah. really bad... Or if you regret something, you generally show, show done. humility, right? Sure. But for this guy, it's it's more of a kind of career-saving apology. It's cowing, it? yeah. It's, it's cowing. Probably his agent told him to do it, and he's like, okay. I mean, as, well, who, who's who said that expression? Never apologise, never explain. Yes, I can't remember. It's it? it it? misattributed, but it's Gaddafi. Yeah. I, uh, I think it was Saddam Hussein. No, <laughs> Mugabe. <laughs> <laughs> Should, My favourite dictator. You should never apologise. The reason I don't blame him particularly is because he's a young man being attacked. It's horrible to be attacked online. It's happened to me. Sure. He's much more famous. He's probably been far more viciously attacked. Yeah, it's not great. It is weak that he apologised. But you have to ask, what are these people doing attacking him? Mm. Who are these people that can't accept this result? We've seen it from comedians calling Johnny Depp the C-word for, for, for being proved innocent. It, it's absolutely insane. Even on this show, people were misquoting facts the other day about, about the trial. Johnny Depp won the trial conclusively. OK, mm -hmm. Amber Heard got two million damages for something Johnny Depp's lawyer had said that couldn't be proven, but Depp won 15 million. Right. It was only reduced to 10 million because of there was a cap on punitive damages in the Virginia state yeah. of 350,000. But he won. He won. You should be able to say Depp is a hero. It's absolute madness. People who won't accept a result of a fair jury trial can't live in society, with rare exceptions like OJ, where it's obviously ridiculous. That's not one of these cases. Johnny Depp won, and he's innocent, and he is a hero. Yes, and indeed. she defecated on his bed, which is just not... There is fun. also that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> which is oh, well, we've, gross. We've all been there, Jonathan. Well, yeah, you know, you've you know gone you, to sleep You know when you've been out on the tiles and, you know, you've polished off a, a, a prawn booner at the end of the night? <laughs> with, like, stuffed parata. Oh, so good. You so know, good. And then it, just, then it goes so those, bad. Those carbohydrates, but then they really... through you. They punch through, don't they? They do. They See do. why I don't drink now. Happens to the best of us. It's yeah. the spices. They really... <laughs> Couldn't afford the dry-cleaning bills. They really, they really tap the bowels. They do. Double tap the bowels. You should have been Johnny Depp's lawyer. Johnny, oh, Depp, lawyer, Johnny Depp's a hero. Sticking with the independent and trainee doctors, Jonathan, are in meltdown. They are. So trainee doctors in meltdown at major hospital maternity department. So decisive action, apparently, was needed from Birmingham Trust as junior doctors report being near meltdown, a regulator warns. So regulators have raised serious concerns over trainee doctors within the maternity department at one of the largest trusts. Uh, in the country, and the NHS training regulator said had concerns over the treatment of trainee doctors within the obstetric. Is that correct? Obstetric. Obstetric. obstetric thank you. And gynaecology department at University. I, I know that I know the obstetric and gynaecology department. You know them well because I've spent a lot of time there, um, just, just in my as a, free time. As a tourist, uh, it's, it's a leisure activity for me. Oh, yeah. It's an area of science that I find 
very compelling. I mean, I understand that these guys are stressed because th th those are terrifying. Well, well, they are. I mean, look, this is the thing: is that you don't want problems in a maternity ward. Do you? Certainly, by not. definition, it's a high, it's a high-pressure, high-stress environment. Um, newborn, a baby's lives online, women's lives online. It's all, it's all very, it's important work. So, yeah, a lot of these people feel like they haven't had the training that they needed, and they feel like they can't go for help, and they're just completely exhausted and overworked. Which isn't. You don't want people with such important jobs to feel that way and to be overworked. You need them to be able to concentrate and do their jobs properly. Um, yeah, it just it just seems like a, an extra stressful situation. Well, yeah, and, and we're talking about, you know, women here that are giving birth. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it's probably, I mean, if you think of everything that the NHS is tasked with, yes. delivering babies must be at the top of the list. Absolutely. Delivering babies safely and keeping mum safe. For sure, for sure. Each, each um, delivery is, you, know, you have two people's, uh, potentially, their lives at stake. I, I'd like to issue... A profound apology. I, I, I talked about pregnant women. I did mean birthing humans. And birthing I, bodies. I'd like to apologise to everyone. I'd like to apologise to Sam Fender <laughs> and my hero, Johnny Depp. Tomorrow's Express now and news from the world of sport, Nick. Yes, a good non-controversial one for us. So, Hungarian government defends children for booing England gesture and hits out at idiots. So, this is Zoltan Kovac, Secretary of State has responded to this controversy. If you didn't follow the initial controversy, it was that 30,000 under-14s were allowed into this game. It was held behind closed doors because of previous issues, and, uh, and they all decided to uh, boo the England players when they took the knee. Now, of course, some people are calling these kids racist. Others, like me, might say, probably they just see through BS. Kids tend to see through virtue signaling nonsense, and they just boot it. Of course, there is a difference between that and actual racist incidents, which do happen in football. Mm. But I think this was a case of people just saying, we've had enough of this kneeling. And certainly the, the, the Hungarian government agrees with that. And, um, yeah, I think this kneeling thing... The kneeling thing, it was started because of BLM, a highly questionable organisation. I don't know what I can legally say, but we've seen stories... Allegations of, of corruption. Yes. And, and on, a lot their of houses. on their website that they want to get rid of the nuclear family, defund the police. Yep. Yes, and just overthrow capitalism. Oh, yeah. Yeah, which is big in football, I hear. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yes, they allegedly have some houses in Beverly Hills. So, allegedly. So, yeah, not a great organisation. They started doing this kneeling thing, as we know. Everyone promoted it. The BLM logo was on the screen. Then Sky started doing this odd thing. Sky Sports of saying, like, no, it's, this is a general gesture about racism. But we all knew it wasn't. We've had those for years. You know, give racism the red card, kick, sure. it, kick it out and all yeah. that. Which were great campaigns. Yeah, and no one had a Which, problem with Which, by the those. way, no one had a problem. No one had a problem. Yeah. It was all BLM. We didn't like it. Now, I didn't want to be churlish, so when it came to the Euros, the England players said it was just a gesture about racism. I'm like, OK, if that's what they think it is, I'll have, I don't have a problem with it. Let's get behind them for the Euros. But now I think people are getting a bit sick of it. And certainly these Hungarian kids were sick of it. And that's, that's that story. What do you think? Do you think there was an element of just... Because there was a load of young kids and it was in response to the fans being banned, there was, like, a trolling element. They just wanted to be like, oh, you're going to ban our fans, we're just going to get everyone in unison and just boo. Yeah, probably there was. I think it, it sounds like an element of mischief here. And I haven't checked the original ban, I'll be completely honest. Was the original ban justified and was that actually... So, I only heard about that today, but apparently... So, I'm not completely sure what happened, but it did sound like that was legitimate, terrible racism. Uh, I'm not completely sure what happened, just from what was described, but I don't want to get it wrong. Uh, yeah, it you do still see that, again, with, yeah. with players individually. Which is obviously terrible. ground to yeah. say that we... that racism is the most evil thing. Of course. And it, it truly appalling, and it must be tackled. It, it exists in, in all societies, including ours. But England is now the only team that's taking the knee. On international in international tournaments, oh, no, no other countries, and you know mm. the the manager uh, 
Southgate you know, said he's very disappointed. It's like, well, why doesn't he just concentrate on winning football matches? Um, let's, as a country, address racism. But I don't know why Britain's got to go around the world wagging its finger at everyone else. Yeah. Um, when every other country has given up this, what I would consider empty gesture. You know, I'd like real change when it comes to racism, not multi-millionaires taking the knee. And it's odd that, that England, England's the, the plot. No, it's odd that England's you the only send one. Me off? Red card? It's fine with me, Mark, but I'm probably the one person. You're going to bench me. <laughs> it's just wrong that it's just interesting that England are the only ones doing it, and we're one of the least racist countries. We'd have a good shot at least racist country in the world if there was a tournament of some sort. Name, name uh, a country uh, more less racist than the UK. The Vatican. Uh, just a guess. Good point. They're good yeah. people. The Pope, another hero of mine. Mm. Tomorrow's Daily Mail now, and there's some noise about headphones going on, Jonathan. Uh, yes, indeed, there is. So MPs seek headphone ban for scooter riders following series of fatal accidents. So some MPs and campaigners uh, have decided that cyclists and e-scooter riders should be banned from wearing headphones after lots and lots of accidents uh, that have happened sort of around the country. Now, the calls for a UK ban come after a series of deaths caused by riders wearing headphones. Yeah. Um, now, other countries, so France and Spain, have already outlawed the wearing of headphones while cycling several years ago. While Portugal and Italy allow you to wear one ear in that, off the bat, seems like a pretty good solution. That being said, I can totally see their argument to ban it. If it actually makes your driving dangerous and it leads to more crashes, well, we, we have rules for almost everything else. You have to wear a seatbelt, you can't drink, uh, you can't be on your phone. So I, this does make sense. And then at the same time, don't tell me what to do. Let me, let me, let me, you know, I might be listening to directions, might be listening to an erotic novel that I need to power me through the journey home. Like. I get it's dangerous, but don't... Fifty Shades? Fifty Shades? Oh, no, that's too vanilla for me. <laughs> Is yeah. it? Yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah. mild stuff. It's yeah, and I read, I read that in uh, Year 8, which I, I shouldn't have done. But, yeah, no, it's, um, <laughs> it's, uh, I guess it's, it's an interesting discussion. How dangerous is it? I think we need some studies. Yeah. Well, scooters seem very dangerous to me. They're always whizzing by you suddenly. I think they should yeah. be banned outright. Right. Never mind headphones, ban scooters. Possibly ban cyclists. <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm on the fence about that one. Uh, I, don't, I don't cycle, so it's fine by me. I also found it interesting that one guy here was, was uh, sentenced for wanton or furious driving. I didn't know that was... It. Apparently he was no. sentenced in the, in the Victorian era. I didn't know that was <laughs> a wanton driving. Yeah, that that has been knocking around for quite a long time, and someone was prosecuted on, on the back of that a few years ago. Oh. Eagle-eyed um, lawyer dug that one out. Have you ever driven wantonly, Mark? Well, I present TV programmes wantonly, don't I? Yeah, you're a wanton yeah. type of guy. Yeah. yeah anyway, so would, would you? I mean, that's that story basically. Would... I like wanton soup. Is that the same thing? Wanton. I was wondering if you were going to go there, but I, I didn't because I well, try and keep it classic. As you know, I'm, I'm the king of puns. You only like English food. Yeah. Yeah. What, what is wanton? Uh, you know, I'm the king of puns and dim sum. Oh. Nice. Very much. That's why people tune in the show's in their not droves. Just, not just thrown together, thanks to my team of 18 writers for that <laughs> one. Uh, sticking with the mail, and diversity is on the agenda, Jonathan. Uh, it is. Do you want me to do this Yeah, one? go for it. Since that was the... <laughs> this is actually a great story. This is the British public hugely overestimates the size of minority groups, including trans and gay people and vegans. So it's, it's a fascinating story. People had a wildly off idea of, of the percentages. So, now, bear in mind, ten, people thought 10% of people were dying from COVID. So people's idea about stats is a bit off in general. But, for example, people thought there were 65% white people in, in Britain. It's 87%. They thought that... Uh, I'll just go through them all. They thought trans people were 5% of the country. It's actually 0.3 to 0.7. And they're all in Islington. There's that as well. They thought gay people were 15%. It's 1.8. 
They thought black people were 20% of the country, it's 3%, and so on. So people, people are kind of vegans, they thought, were 20%. That's because every vegan tells you that they're vegan. That is true. Yeah, the and they tell, they tell you a friend as well. Same it, with CrossFit. Yeah. Yeah. So they thought CrossFit was 36% of the country. So it, this, I mean, this, this partly explains why people get so outraged that we have articles like, there's no black people in farming. It's just like, because yeah, it's an 87% white country, guys. Can we all calm down? You know, because people have a skewed idea about who's actually in the country. It's also interesting. We're sort of, we're reorganizing our society because of, you know, all these tr trans issues, and it's 0.3% of the country. I think there's a lot of, it's social media hype, it's media hype, it's TV overrepresenting certain things because they've got their own agenda. And it gives people a very warped idea of what the country actually is. And you forgot another thing, shallow, spineless corporations. Yes. Exactly. Who I think might be the worst and, offenders. And the police. I mean, let's look at it. Let's be really honest. So, so, if, so if gay people are 1.8%, and it'd be better if Andrew Doyle was on the show, because this bit would look less homophobic. <laughs> but let's just go with it. If, if, if gay people are 1.8%, they get a whole month. They, I've done the maths. They should only get 6.57 days. They should give them a week. Pride week. Yeah, pride week. I've just done the maths. Those are what the numbers are saying. Do the math just now, because that'd be very impressive. Well, you, you know, think about the amount of days and then 1.8% of that. Yeah, I'm Rain Man. I just did it now. <laughs> the, the Pride Week, just a suggestion. Well, not a bad shout. Tomorrow's Telegraph. <laughs> and those Canadians are stocking up on ammunition. What's this all about, Jonathan? They are. So Canadian gun shops run out of stock ahead of Justin Trudeau's proposed ban on sales. So the Canadian Prime Minister has unveiled plans for a freeze on handgun sales after 21 people were tragically killed in a mass shooting in Texas. So, um, so Justin Trudeau has proposed this, this ban on handgun sales, and due to the law of unintended consequences, everyone has now run out and bought a gun. Now, gun shops are basically completely out of stock. Everyone's loaded up, and people are just sort of hunkering down, expecting them to, to be taken away from them. Now, obviously, Canada is a different country to United States of America, so it's kind of interesting that he would suggest this policy based on what happened in another country. Is he doing it because it's something he genuinely believes in? Does he think it's just going to win him favour with voters? I, I'm not sure. Is he just using this uh, tragedy as an opportunity to make himself look good? I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't really know. Of course, the Canadians don't have this sort of issue around gun control, do it, they? It's not in constitutional. The same way that the right? Americans Yes, do. yeah, I mean... There are plenty of guns in Canada, sure, but, but it's yeah. not a sort of spiritual belief. It's not a religious... Ideology. It's not maybe part of the identity yeah. in the same way, yeah. I saw a good meme the other day. It said, uh, give us your guns so we can end gun violence or we'll send men with guns to shoot you. And this, this strikes to the issue of someone's going to have guns. I was saying it on this show the other day. When you get rid of guns, all you do is transfer them into the hands of just the government, just rich people who can afford private security and, and criminals. Law, yeah. yeah, exactly. So, so you don't get rid of the guns. Now, I think it speaks volumes that when COVID and lockdowns kicked off, people in America rushed to buy guns in even higher numbers. Mm -hmm. And now, with, with Trudeau's ban, they've rushed to buy guns. Mm. So the people want guns. So in my world, they should be allowed to have them. Because I've made all these arguments, right? for the Second Amendment, resisting tyranny, uh, the fact that I've just said you'll end, criminals will end up having them and no-one else, and so on. But I think the ultimate argument, all you need is the fact that Trudeau is against it. Correct. The fact that Trudeau, who said he admired China's basic dictatorship, this is the guy taking your guns, this slimy creep. Yeah. Don't you think that speaks volumes? He's also Castro's son. You heard it here first, right here. that. Allegedly, sat Allegedly satirical content. Allegedly satirical and content. his mum is Pat Butcher. <laughs> so, who knew? Morris Mail, and let's talk about trans. Nick, why back, not? Back in the. Back I've already got myself in enough trouble. Why not? So, this is trans women cyclists who used to compete as men take first and second place in new non binary race, leaving a young mother in third. So, this was Emily Bridges and Lily Chant. They were in a race where 
It's a bit complicated. It's called the Thundercrit race. Thundercrit. Thundercrit. Oh. And right. they've uh, they've they've got two categories. Thunder category is for cis men, non-binary people whose physical performance aligns most with cis men, trans men, and women whose physical performance aligns most closely with cis men. Why not just go back to men? Just go back to men and women, guys. Because then there's the lightning category, and this is the category they were in, which is the opposite. It's for cis women, non-binary people whose physical performance aligns with cis women and trans men, and women whose physical performance aligns most closely with cis women. So they've tried to come up with these new... Well, how do you decide what your performance aligns with? Because I throw categorically like a girl. Right. What, where you could that? be in the lightning one. Right. So the problem is they've, been, they've gone into this and they've, they've clearly won one because Emily Bridges is a trans athlete who was assigned male at birth, so she's biologically a man. Lily Chan, who, despite identifying as a woman, is still designated male on official records. So it's this usual problem. We've, it, it, it's biological men in women's sports. If you're not, you don't have to agree with me on guns or anything else, but if you're not against this, you're completely mental. Am I right? It does seem like there's a massive, massive biological advantage to being to going through male puberty, especially especially when you get to contact sports like UFC. I mean, it does seem, it does seem, uh, politics aside, physically completely unfair. Really and does. potentially hazardous too. I mean, you know, if you mentioned UFC, yeah. just imagine if there were a fatality in the ring. I mean, and that a can biological yeah, woman. Yeah. I mean, it, it uh, who has dies happened. at the hands of, a, 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 you know, someone that identifies as female who is a biological man. Because there is such an advantage in terms of power, in terms of, like, muscle twitch fibres, it, re it really is... But it, it, it does seem to be ideology trumping, I guess, fairness within the sport. But... And, yeah, it was Fallon Fox, wasn't it, that beats someone up in the MMA? Yeah. The thing is, look, as we saw from the last story, this, trans people are 0.3 to 0.7% of the population. Everyone, everyone should be nice to, to trans people and to everyone. Mm -hmm. but yeah. That's a very different thing from saying you should destroy women's sports because of a tiny minority. Completely right. Uh, well, I think that uh, the trans extremists have uh, bitten off more than they can chew with, uh, with, with uh, women's sports, and I think that will be the kind of the tipping point in this debate, but uh, that's just my view. Apologies to any viewers uh, who may have been offended by some of Nick's fruity language. Uh, moving on now, and uh, let's get to our next story. And here's one from tomorrow's Metro to lighten the mood. Jonathan. Uh, yes, so a non-verbal schoolboy with autism lands job as a Primark model. Uh, so seven-year-old James Maybelan, who's a young non-verbal boy with autism, has become a new face of Primark. Um, OK. So, uh, yes, so this sounds like quite a positive story. So he's a young boy, he's really into fashion. Yeah. He got scouted uh, and he's now modelling for Primark. So... I think it's great news. I I'm not going to lie. Mm -hmm. In this section, we're not going to get sued by Primark. No. Because I love Primark. Well, I can see your jacket. It's, uh, it's, it's lovely. This is, uh, this is uh, let me tell you, TK Maxx's finest. Ooh. This is like Harrods compared to Primark. But, that um, is a few levels up. But I, I go in there, Primark is like Disney, Disneyland for me. I can see that. I mean, Primark, you can get you can get swimming trunks for about a pound fifty. I hate to think about, you know, the people who had to make them for when the cost of that. Well, low, this but... is why we won't get sued by Primark. Exactly. Because they, they they will reasonably argue that the stuff that's in their shops, which right. is so cheap, uh, much of it is made in the same factories of designer brands. So it's all the same stuff. More premium brands. Ah. Absolutely. Uh, secondly, they send armies of teams out around the world to police okay. factory standards. When bad stuff happens, whether it's uh, Primark or Next or M&S or indeed Apple, uh, that's normally the people that have the contract right. who are breaking the rules, breaking the contract, 
and maybe hiving off work to another factory that's not... So they're, they're not meeting the standards that the companies are yeah. thinking are being met? Primark, right. Primark okay. stuff is cheap because what they do is they, they don't have a big turnover of, of, of fashion. So what, what people think of Primark as fast fashion, but what they'll mm -hmm. do is they'll have like a summer wardrobe and they'll just order enormous volumes of a small number of items. And that'll be it for the season. That's it. And then a lot of it goes into storage and comes back the following year if it wasn't sold. Ah. Plus, they don't advertise and they don't have online. So okay. they don't have the cost of people doing returns and all the rest of That's it. why they were selling those 2020 World Cup T-shirts. Uh, Just a bit. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's yours. right. Yeah. Um, or I voted Blair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but I mean, it's interesting because, um, yeah, this, uh, this uh, debate around, uh, around Primark, you know, it, it, it's very easy to mischaracterise a company. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Very easy to do. I don't have loads on Primark. I do like that this, this kid is an autistic kid doing something cool. And I, I support the autistic community. This is a non-verbal kid. I just wish some of the guests on, uh, woke guests on GB were non-verbal. But can I just, uh, <laughs> sorry about that one. Can I just also say... And uh, Nick, I apologise for your terrible language. Nick, I mean, Nick you Dixon, came on air, you've been swearing non-stop. Uh, I want to say Nick Dixon didn't use any fruity language, and I want an apology for your apology. Really? I merely read the name I'll, of, I'll, of I'll the give tournament. A, I'll give it, the over-apology for my fruity language. It, it might, I'm a fruit. I've never said any fruity language on GB. I might have stepped in. Who used some fruity language. It was a good joke, though. There will be emails to HR for the way I'm being targeted, falsely. Yeah, too right. We can't have that. Uh, tomorrow's Guardian and a new revelation for history books, Nicholas. Yeah, so it turns out Hitler wasn't the chilled-out, <laughs> rational guy we all thought. So this is newly released doctor's letters show Adolf Hitler's fear of illness. He, he was a hypochondriac and he said to his doctor, if there's something bad, I absolutely have to know, which in itself doesn't sound that hypochondriac, but apparently he was a bit like that. This is Dr Karl Otto von Eichen. And so it has come out that Hitler was a, was a bit stressed out about stuff, guys. And um, someone said, the Russian interrogators after the war asked this doctor an interesting question. They said, why didn't you kill Hitler? And he said, I was his doctor, not his murderer, which seems a sort of semantic get out, really. Mm. But it did make me think, Mark, would you and Jonathan kill Hitler? I mean, you told me before the show that you liked him, but would, would, you, would you kill Hitler? A big Hitler poster you... of him on my... Would yeah. I, would I... yeah, I'd throw him into a blender. Is that what you'd go with? Yeah, but it'd be blending. It'd be a slow blending. Just, you know why I'd, I'd go for the quickest death? Because what always annoys me about Bond films is when the baddie decides that they're going to kill Bond very quickly. And they tell you what they're going to do as well. Yeah, yeah, with a really long speech. It's like, enough already. Mm. Here's start the gun. The, start the unnecessarily slow dipping mechanism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, that's right. And leave the room when it's happening. Yeah. It's like, yeah. stick around. I'm leaving this key here, but don't yeah. you use I'm it. I'm not going to witness his actual death. That's I'm just going to assume it all went to, to plan. to pop off and watch Countdown with yeah. a cup of tea <laughs> and eat a ham roll. You could kill him with making him watch Countdown. So, yeah, as swift yeah. A, a possible death as uh, possible. In a blender. In my book. OK, so we'll look, uh, let's move on to tomorrow's Telegraph and a new take on an old phrase, Jonathan. Yes, yeah, some health news. So, an egg a day keeps the doctor away by boosting good cholesterol. Doesn't have the same ring as the apple a day, but if it helps, it helps. So, consumption of more eggs can help reduce risk of cardiovascular disease or stroke, a Peking University study finds. Uh, so, the study shows um, eating an egg a day can lead to more good HDL which is high-density lipoprotein, cholesterol... <laughs> yeah, lipoprotein. Oh, wow. Are you a doctor? That was incredible. Yeah, yeah. There's doctor's handwriting all over this, um, which strips bad low-density lipoprotein away. So, fantastic news. Now, the problem with this for me is, I remember growing up watching TV ads saying that eggs were bad for you, or they yeah. increase cholesterol, and now the opposite's true. So much of what we're told about health and food from mainstream media seems to be 
completely reversed just a few years later. You can't, you can't trust it. I mean, they said eat uh, low-fat things, but they were full of sugar. Trans fats. Trans fats. Yeah. We Margarine was was apparently better than butter. Yeah, yeah. It's it's the opposite. Don't but just eat. Eat natural Fat food. was the enemy, then we found out it was really sugar. Yeah, go keto, exactly. It's all of it. it you're right. It's, they're always wrong about everything. You mm. just get, and, and even red meat is demonised. Stick to a very simple diet. Eat steak, lift weights, yeah. don't eat bugs, and don't read The Guardian. That, that's my advice. That would do it. I mean, it's really funny when you've got these uh, studies, probably sponsored by cereal manufacturers. By Big Egg. Yeah, <laughs> Big Egg, that, that, that would do it. But uh, lots of studies Big pharma, suggesting, like pharma? you know, oh, mm. meat, r red meat causes cancer and it gives you diabetes and yeah. it will you, send you to an early grave, except that it, it has pizza. been, you know, our main source of protein for two million years. So our brains how, how does that work? When did it suddenly become bad? I mean, you could say there's an argument saying eating heavily processed meat could be bad right. for you, but eating, right. I think, personally, from what I've read, eating meat in its natural form, grass-fed cows, is a good thing for you. But then again, people have different genetics, they have different... Um, physical makeups, maybe what's good for one person isn't necessarily going to be the same for somebody else. Um, but... Have you seen the liver king who just eats liver and other raw meat? Oh, no. He eats he... testicles and stuff. Apparently, is he super healthy? Looks it. Or okay. he could, I mean, some people think he's just on steroids, <laughs> right. allegedly satirical content, but yeah. something it's, it's actually raw meat. I've right. had testicles in my mouth. Um, it, it's it's a source of pro protein. We're talking cows, about diet. Cows, man. I think it was, I, had, I think I had, I had bullocks, bullocks, um, oh. Testicles, which I had in a Turkish restaurant. Did the cow mind? Oh, OK, fair enough. Uh, very, very tender. Mm. Mm. The bull was not happy, though. No, no, be yeah. Kept throwing me dagger stairs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't top that. I'm just going <laughs> to... What can he say? <laughs> Move. <laughs> Metro next, and sperm donation is back in the news. I think you might know all about this one, Nicholas. Well, yeah, it's my second story about it this week, so obviously I've been typecast. So the headline is, Meet the Women Desperately Seeking Semen. I think I've seen that movie on social <laughs> media. And the men eagerly volunteering their natural insemination services, which means actual sex. A lot of men have a rule, they say, natural insemination only, which is a, a bit of a, a, a sort of workaround. So, what, are, what are the alternatives to natural? Well, you can do that. You, you do it, you, basically, it's artificial insemination. When you have sex with a robot? No, that's oh. when you just you do things into a, a, a receptacle. Oh, it's like a turkey baster? Yes. Oh, I've seen that video as well, yeah. So, so yeah, I've seen your videos as well. <laughs> the, 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 look, so this, it's, an, it's an interesting trend. I mean, you know, you should consider it, but it's... I found out they're only going to get 35 quid, so that's not really worth it, in my opinion. But wow. you know what? A lot of men are doing it just out of altruism, because we're just good people. Good guys. We're, we're just good people. Correct. Some are doing it to have sex. Some are doing it from a weird sense of pride, apparently. And I learned from this article, some don't tell their partners that they're doing it, which is fascinating. They've just got loads of secret kids. Yes, and uh, just thousands around the world. I mean, this was interesting. A typical request from someone might say, me and my wife are looking for a donor, non-NI, please. And you think, what have they got against Northern Ireland? But that means non-natural insemination. Uh, means, means they want the robot way. Yeah, and this one really bothered me. One post from a single woman reads, white male, tall if possible, lol. I'll be I right mean, back. Yeah, all right. That's outrageous, because that's more fascism against... You know what I mean? I can, you know, I could guarantee my family all live a long time, I've got high testosterone levels. When right. you bring out the tall thing... The height supremacy. Like, yeah, it's disgusting. Yeah. So I'm against that one. I wouldn't give them... Don't think they should get any sperm, personally, but... I mean, there's, there's definitely a, a biological incentive there. If you can pass on your genetics, isn't that sort of the whole point of everything? Like, mm. you pass on your genes, they survive, you procreate, and, and so forth and so on. So I can see why guys want to do that. Um, it does seem a bit almost just throwing them, you know, your, your guys off with some stranger and hope they'll be OK. Like, well, I think that's right, because it's the instinct to procreate, yeah. but it's also the instinct that your future issue 
prevails. Yes. And that's not compatible with you not being around, is it? It's the instinct to procreate while not paying for the baby in that's any way. <laughs> Do you have to have, would you then have to pay child support? No, this is in, it's in here. It says, um, if, if recipients go through human fertilisation and embryology authority licensed clinic, they're right. completely absolved of any parental or financial obligations. Yeah. That was my favourite part. Or just part. give them a fake name. That's why I uh, normally do. Nobody... I'm a generous person, but <laughs> nobody is getting any of my reproductive materials. For less than how much? Well, without... Without, um, you know, a night out. They've so got to like, treat you to dinner first. A couple of glasses of Jacob's Creek. Maybe maybe go to a Jamie's Italian or a Bella. Bella Italia. You're a classy yeah. gal. Or Pizza, Pizza Express. Express, like yeah, your favourite oil. Express. And uh, take, take a margarita and, and maybe a pudding, and then we'll talk. All right. Let's make a date. That's reasonable. And you'll get your 35 quid. Absolutely. Every man has his price. <laughs> Uh, let's have a look at the Daily Mail now, and cheap flights could be a thing of the past, Jonathan. Yeah, not good news for holidaymakers, so cheap holidays abroad could soon be a thing of the past, thanks to ongoing travel chaos and surging flight prices, experts warn. So, now, the rising cost of fuel, combined with chronic staff shortages mm. after lockdown, uh, means some airlines are warning passengers there'll be no last-minute bargains this summer. So, I mean, this comes after a disastrous week for the travel industry, uh, which more than 350 flights were axed and customers complained of long delays in departure halls. I mean, we all know someone who's been away and then just had a terrible time trying to get back. This happened to a friend of mine. They were coming back from a weekend in Amsterdam and what was meant to be, you know, a 45-minute flight became like a 10- or 11-hour journey. They had to go to Dublin, then fly back there, lost their bags. Just, just sounds really chaotic. Um, but I think part of this comes after BA and EasyJet have all cut thousands and thousands of jobs and now they're struggling to rehire. So how, how can you expect...? That's what they say. Yeah. We all know the bigger picture is the WEF, the climate fanatics, want you to never fly again. They want to get rid of holidays for ordinary people like you and me. Ah. That's what they're gradually moving towards. Have you not been on the internet, Jonathan? That is what's happening. I have net nanny, so I'm, I'm not uh, really allowed to Is see. international travel worth the hassle now? That's oh, what they want you to think as well, that it's not worth the hassle. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, some of my, you know, absolute favourite memories have been abroad, just, you know... Have and, and you can, and you See, can donate sperm can much more honest, widely. Exactly. Me, Jonathano me, Pagano. A, a trip to the airport is enough. To put you off? No, oh. that, that's the holiday. You've got, haven't you, a uh, curries.digital. Yeah, that's true. Yourself a Bluetooth loudspeaker. Got lots of Smith. Smith. <laughs> yeah, got lots of Smiths. Normally there's a, there's a flagship Pretz, if you're lucky. A Weatherspoons. Stansted Airport, I counted the number of real ales on tap. 11 real ales. Mm. On draft at a Weatherspoon. That's in a good the way airport. to start the one day. Pint I mean, that, that's a holiday, isn't it? Oh, really? One pint of each, don't even need to go anywhere. Jobs are good. Um, well, look, let's get drunk on this last story, and it's a corker. It's tomorrow's mirror, and those Roswell aliens are making the news again, Nick. Oh, yeah, well, this is a big one, almost too big to end on. Roswell officer's deathbed confession. So, this is Lieutenant Walter. Port, and he has admitted that it, uh, at Roswell there was a second area where he claims to have seen wreckage, alien bodies that were four foot tall, and uh, an egg-shaped object, which was the, 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 the vessel itself, the vehicle, which he said had no wings. It was flying without wings, much like Westlife. It didn't have a tail, didn't have a landing gear. He's basically said, on his deathbed, he's aliens written a exist. secret letter, aliens exist. Aliens exist. And I totally believe him, for one. I mean, there's the Bob Lazar documentary. Yes, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah it's real. It's absolutely wild. I mean, 
okay, it could all be a fabrication, but no. the detail and like the fact that it's been collaborated by so many people just it, it's absolutely insane. It really freaked me out. Go watch it. It's like they didn't know what the crafts are made out of. But isn't it weird that that doesn't actually change life? Knowing that aliens are real. Yeah. We're still just here chatting to Mark <sighs> about sperm. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's anything. it. Each to their own. Um, let me thank you, gentlemen, for a highly engaging hour of live television. The brilliant Nick Dixon, the marvelous, the excellent Jonathan Cogan. And uh, lots more, of course, to come from GB News through the night and breakfast first thing in the morning. Dan Wooten, of course, back in the hot seat for Dan Wooten tonight, tomorrow at nine. Um, I want to thank you for your company this weekend. It's been a very special weekend celebrating the Jubilee. I couldn't have done it without you. So thanks for joining me for the journey. I'm back in the hot seat for Mark Dolan tonight on um, Friday at Ooh. nine. Headliners is tomorrow at 11. See you soon. Thanks for listening to Headliners, the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you'll never miss an episode again. And if you enjoyed it, leave me a nice comment. Speak to you at the same time tomorrow for the paper review that's never boring.